through the Psalms as well. But this morning we're starting a new series uh, titled The Moral of the Story. Now, if you're an avid reader or an avid movie watcher or TV show watcher, you know that a lot of books, a lot of movies, TV shows, they, they have their plot, they have the thing that they're going towards in the story, but oftentimes there's a moral to the story, right? That a good book, you, you might read there's the, this is what they're going towards, but throughout the whole thing, there's this, this moral that, that stands out, this thing that stands out in the book. And you, you could probably uh, come up with a bunch of them that are commonplace, you know, the power of friendship conquers all, love conquers all, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing that we, one of my favorite books of all time is The Wind and the Willows. And that's kind of the theme of that. It's just a the importance of friendship. Uh, and, and so there's morals to the story of these different books that we read, these movies uh, that we watch. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at one of the ways that Jesus really got his message across was through parables, stories that uh, had something behind it, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. And it was that's how we spoke. And so from the, or for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of these parables in the Gospel of Matthew that uh, Jesus tells in regards to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. And there's a moral to the stories that Jesus is telling. And so this morning we start in Matthew chapter 13. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 13, or you can follow along in the Version app. And as you're getting there, this is a, a familiar uh, parable. We've heard it probably many times growing up in, in Sunday school and children's church. We've heard the parable of the sower. And so often we kind of go through these uh, parables, these stories, these scriptures that we've grown up with. We kind of just speed through them as we read because, hey, I've, I've heard that story my whole life. I know that story. I've, I've read that story ever since I was a kid. But Sometimes we need to go back to these stories that we kind of move through quickly because there's always something that we should be learning from them. And so we start this morning with the parable of the sower. And it's an important parable because it gets down to what is our heart? What is our heart like? And uh, Jesus really asked that question with this parable. And so uh, we're going to start in the first uh, few verses in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verses one, or verse one and go through verse three. And it says this, it says that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on shore. Then he told them many things in parables. So he goes out into this boat and he's looking at the large crowds that have gathered around him and he begins to speak to them. In parable. So what is a parable? What exactly is a parable? Well, a parable, or the word parable, it comes from two words that together mean to throw alongside. To throw alongside. And this is the idea of a known truth mixed together with an unknown truth. And when Jesus would speak, it would often be, here's an earthly truth, something that they understand, something that they know. For, in this case, sowing. They knew what it would mean to go out and sow seed. And so this is an earthly truth mixed with a spiritual truth that is unknown. And the parable will lay out what is this truth that is unknown. And so he goes out and he begins to speak to them in parables. And so he begins in, to tell this parable in verse 3. He says, 
A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And so we see that Jesus begins to share this parable about a, a farmer who goes out to scatter his seed. And just some background on that I thought was pretty interesting. I had never thought about this when I read it. And this comes from uh, Mark Moore, former professor of mine, in his uh, Life of Christ commentary. He says this, You see, we plow before we plant, thus we know what kind of soil we have. In Jesus' day, they often plowed after planting, thus the road, hard soil, might become a fertile spot, and the rocky soil, which may not be visible now, would become apparent after the ground had been turned. Even if they plowed before planting, the farmer could afford to be generous in sowing seed because the more seed sown, the bigger the crop. He knows he's going to lose some seed on the edges of his field and near the rocky crags, but it's worth a handful of seed to ensure that every bit of good soil is covered. So he would go out, they would till the land, he would scatter his seed, and then after the seed was scattered, then they would plow. You know, to till, it's that basic kind of uh, surface level, getting the dirt ready, you know, then you plow, then you plant the seeds. This is what they would do, is they would till, then they would scatter the seed, and then they would uh, plow the land. And their mindset at this time, the point was, I'm going to throw out seed, some of it's going to stick, some of it's not going to stick, but I know that if I get enough out there, we're going to get some kind of crop. We're going to get something. Even if some of the seed doesn't work, we're going to get something. And so he goes on to talk about these four types of soil. And really what these four types of soil are, it's hearts. It's hearts. What kind of heart are you? What kind of soil are you? And so he goes through and he starts by listing these different types of soils. And the first thing we see is this path that the birds came and eat up the seed. This is a hard path, a hard walking path. No seed would grow here. No seed would even be able to uh, get into the dirt here because as they would, uh, people would walk on these paths, animals would walk on this path, it would be dry from the sun and when it rained it would dry up and it would become kind of like concrete. It was hard walking paths around the edge of the fields. We see Jesus in uh, Matthew 12, we see that he's uh, walking through grain fields. What he's doing is he's walking on the path alongside the fields. And so there's this hard ground, these hard walking paths that because they're so hard, no seed is going to be able to penetrate the ground. Then we see these rocky places, this rocky soil. It's shallow soil. The, the seed goes into the ground, but it doesn't go into the ground far enough, and it starts to spring up a little bit, but because, there's, uh, because it's so shallow, it doesn't get the moisture it needs, and because it doesn't get the moisture it needs, when the sun comes out, it scorches up the seed. Then there's a soil that produces thorns. It grew, these seeds are thrown out, and they grow up uh, around uh, seeds that are... Uh, or they grow up around weed, and that weed grows up alongside the seed, and 
what happens. They go into competition, right? As they grow up alongside this weed, they're fighting for sunlight, and whoever gets to the sunlight survives. And these seeds, they're not able to, to grow up because the weeds around them are choking them out in this battle to get to sunlight. And then finally, there's this good soil, this good soil which caused it produced, or causes it to produce a good crop up to a hundred times what was sown. And so Jesus tells them the story. This is the types of soil, and these seeds come out into these different types of soil. And then we see in verses 10 through 17, Jesus is going to explain the reason why he talks in parables. It's like this little interlude here. Uh, here's the parable. Here's the meaning of the parable. And in between, here's his explanation for why he speaks in parables. And so in verses 11 or 10 uh, through 12, he says this, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Uh, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them you see jesus states the reason here that the mystery of the kingdom of god has not yet been revealed to them is because to these disciples he has given them a gift of understanding they have he's given them the ability to understand what these parable means the message behind it the story behind it the reason behind this. This is a gift given to these believers who follow Jesus. He's given them this wisdom, and it's not something that they've inherited on their own or from their wisdom. It's this gift of being able to understand. But for these others, they won't understand. They don't have that gift to understand. And he says, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, will, it will be taken away. You see, this is a solid truth here for the disciples. The more they understand, the more knowledge they will gain on the kingdom of heaven. The more that they understand, the more knowledge they are given. It's like anything. The more you read, the more you learn. The more you study, the more you learn. The more you do things, the more you learn, the more you grow. You know, I was telling Kay last night, I think of it like if I woke up one day and said, I want to be a chef, but I don't want to study how to cook. I don't want to try cooking. I just want to be a chef. I'm never going to be a chef because I'm not trying to learn. I'm not trying to understand. I'm not trying to grow. And the more that I refuse to understand, the less likely that's going to happen. And the more that these uh, disciples understand, the more knowledge that will be given to them. But for those who refuse to understand, those who do not listen, the more they will have less and less understanding. Proverbs tells us something similar in Proverbs 1, 5 through 6, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. Proverbs 9, 9 tells us, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still, teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. And so the more that you have, the more that will be given to you, the less you have, the more will be taken away from you. And then verses 13 through 15 Jesus says this, he says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn I would heal them. You see, we find this parable played out in the first three Gospels, and 
in this story, all of these Gospels quote Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, and when it comes to the Greek, Mark's translation is actually the more accurate translation. In Mark 4.12, he says, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So what does this mean? Why is Jesus saying this? Because some people ask, why is Jesus keeping them from understanding? Why is he telling them parables when he knows that half these people aren't going to be able to understand? Does this mean that Jesus is just forever going to keep people from understanding and they just have no hope? Well, the answer is this. It's all about belief. It's all about belief. Jesus understood the hearts of the people who were gathered around listening to him. Jesus understood the hearts of the religious leaders, and they refused to believe. And the more they refused to believe, the more they refused to listen to Jesus. Guess what he does? Fine, you get your wish. You won't understand. You're not going to understand what I'm teaching you because you choose not to believe. You choose not to listen. You choose to keep your face covered in regards to this. And because of this, you get your wish. You won't be able to understand. John 5, 39 through 48, we see this unbelief uh, with the religious leader. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so because they refuse to believe, because they refuse to listen, they will lose understanding. Their understanding will become skewed. Think about the people that are listening around Jesus, all these large crowds. Guess what happened to these large crowds? They fade away. They fade away. They didn't really want to understand. They didn't really want to believe. They were there to see what Jesus would do next. And so they choose not to believe, and because of that, their, or their understanding will be skewed. But then he goes on in verse 16 and 17, and he says this, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Here's the thing, because of this gift of understanding that they have, because Jesus is going to explain these parables to them, they have something that so many other people wish that they had. Think about this, the prophets in the Old Testament, the, the wise people in the Old Testament, they longed to understand the things that these disciples are getting to understand. This thing that is being made known to them that has been kept secret for so long, the prophets wish they knew what the disciples would know. Peter talks about this a little bit in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. He says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. They're learning things that others wish that they knew. And I, I wonder, do you ever stop to think about this? Think about this for a second. These disciples in this moment, they're learning things that, that other people in the Old Testament wish they had known. Look at what we have. 
We have the Word of God. We have everything that comes next. We have what happens with our Messiah. We have the the apostles preaching the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit that they didn't have at this point. We have all of this stuff in view to us. We know things when we read the gospels. We know things that the angels do not know. Think about that. Think about that when you read through scripture. There are things that even the angels do not know that we know. It's an amazing thing to think about and he tells them, blessed are you because you've seen, because you hear, because these prophets, they wish they had what you have. They wish they knew the things that you knew. And so now he goes on to explain, what does this parable mean? After this little uh, moment where he explains why he speaks in parables, he gets back to the parable. And so in verses 18 and 19, he says this, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is a seed sown along the path. And this is, that understand, or this is the, the idea that there are going to be people who the message goes out, but guess what? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. They don't want to accept it. And because of that, Satan comes and he, he snuffs it out before it even gets a chance to begin. Here's the, the sad truth. It's a, a sad truth. It's a, a harsh reality. There are going to be people that you talk to, that you share the gospel with, who will never want to believe what you have to say. And they will turn away, and they will never come to believe. We keep ministering. We keep sharing the gospel. We keep telling people about Jesus. But the truth is there are going to be people we come across in our lives that will refuse to believe. And because of that, they will never come to believe. And this is that, that soil, that, that hard rocket. The gospel never gets into their heart. And because of that, Satan snatches it away very quickly. And then in verses 20 and 21, It says this, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The rocks represent those who hear the gospel and they receive it and they seem joyful at first. But as soon as life gets hard, as soon as difficulties come into their life, their first first reaction is to bolt, to get out, to be done. And they turn away from God because this is not what I signed up for. I thought following God would be easier. I thought it would be a life that I would be more blessed in, in the things that I, that I want, that I need. And when things get difficult, I'm out. I think oftentimes this belief was more emotional. And when difficulties came, the pressure was way too much. And just like a plant with no moisture, they get scorched up. Then in verse 22, he says, The seed falling among the thorn refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is a hard one. I think this is a really, really hard one. Those seeds that are growing up competing with thorns for for sunlight, with weeds for sunlight, those represent those who hear the word, but the stress of life, the desire for material good, it snuffs them out. We, if we would admit this more, I think we'd see that we struggle with this 
the stress of life, the daily worries that comes alongside of us. And we think about our day and it's just so busy. You know, I got so many things to do. I've got to get the kids here by this time. I got to get to work by this time. I got to make sure I go and do this by this time. And life is just so busy and I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. I don't know how I'm going to be able to be in all these places at once. Life is just so busy and hectic and chaotic and I've got so many things that are stressing me. I just don't have time to be with God right now. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read. And we use this excuse over and over and over again. Every single day is busy and the worries are there and life is hard. I just don't have time right now. And guess what happens? The more and more and more this takes place, the more our daily life, the more daily stresses get the better of us. And the more and more we say, I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have time to read. Guess what happens over time? those things push us further and further and further away until we are nowhere near close to God. And we, our faith has become lacking. Our faith is gone. We no longer believe because we've spent so much of our life chasing all the daily worries, all the busyness of life that it snuffs us out. But it's not just that that Jesus mentions. No, he also mentions the pursuit of the pursuit and the love and the desire for wealth becomes obsession until it becomes more important than God. We chase after success, and so success for so many people is money, right? The more money you have, the more material possessions you accumulate, that means you're successful. And so we chase after this over and over and over again until we lose sight of God, and all we care about is how are we going to continue to be wealthy? How are we going to continue to accumulate all of this stuff? I think that's why in 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul warns him for the love of money, the love of money. Money is not evil. Money is not bad. It's just a, it's paper. It's little silver coins. That's, it's not that that is evil. No, it's the love of that that is evil. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But then he gets, in verse 23, he gets to the good soil. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the good soil, the one that hears the gospel understands the gospel, believes in the gospel. They are obedient in doing what God has asked them to do. They are obedient in following the words and, and the word. They believe in, in, in following that and doing what God has asked them to do. And guess what? Because they do that, because they understand, they take what they understand and they share it with somebody else. And guess what? That person comes to understand and believe. And guess what? That person goes and shares and that person believes. It's that person who, because they understand, because they do what they're told to do in Scripture, they go and they produce fruit. And so... In short, the moral of our story this morning, our desire should be to produce good fruit. Our desire should be the heart that produces good soil in which in turn produces good fruit. That should be our desire. Our desire should be to be good soil. So how do we do that? How do we produce in our hearts the kind of good soil that produces fruit? Well, I think it starts with a pure heart. 
It starts with a pure heart, a heart that is focused on God, a heart that is centered on God, a heart that desires to do what God has called us to do, a heart that desires to tell people about Jesus, to follow his laws his, or his commands, to obey what he tells us to do. That is where it begins with a pure heart. Matthew 5.8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Romans 10.10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Before you get to your confession, before you profess your faith, it starts in your heart. And so a pure heart is important, a heart that desires to do what is right, to do what God calls us to do. And here's the thing, you know that Holy Spirit whom I speak so much about? We have him in our lives to help to have a pure heart, to help us make sure we do what we are, are called to do, what we are supposed to do. And so it starts with a pure heart. But it also, in order to produce the kind of soil that produces good fruit in our lives, we have to hold on to the Word of God. We have to hold on to the Word of, of God. And you know what? I may be uh, stretching a little bit this morning. I may be reaching this morning. But I think that when we read through this, we see the importance of needing to hold on to the Word of God. Because just like a root needs moisture and able, or in, for it to grow, we need the Word of God in order to grow. How do we understand what God is asking us to do? How do we understand God's Word if we are not in God's Word? Makes sense, right? If I say I want to study something, but I never open a book to study that subject, how am I going to understand that subject? You can't unless you actually get into it. And so how do we grow? How do we understand if we are not in the Word of God? We need to hold to the Word of God. And man, not one time is it ever, like it's perfect now to think of this because look at all the things around us. Look at all the things around us. Everything around us is telling us to believe in other things, accept other things, accept other beliefs, accept these opinions. These things are more important than what your Bible says. We should accept these things. And we know that's not true. No, we know that's not true. We know that what we need to do is focus on the Word of God, and yet everything around us is telling us you need to believe this. You need to accept this. You need to agree with this or else you're this. If you don't agree with this, then you're this. No, what we need to do is we need to hold to the word of God. John 8, 31 through 32 says this, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Where is this teaching? It is in his word. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. To produce the kind of soil that produces good fruit, we need a pure heart and we need to hold on to the word of God. But lastly, we also need to persevere. We need to persevere. Because here's the thing, just look at these seeds that we see, the soil that we see in Matthew 13. Guess what? Hard times are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. Persecution is going to come. It's going to be a thing. Jesus tells us that. Remember, when the world hates you, remember it hated me first. It's going to be a thing that happens. And so we need to persevere. 
guess what? Daily life is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. There's going to be busy schedules. There's going to be anxiety about your day. There's going to be worry. Those things happen. They happen more often than we would like to believe or care to admit, but they happen. Difficult days come and go, and we need to persevere. We need to persevere in those things. Do not let the hard times choke out that, that soil. Do not let uh, daily worries, the, the love of material things, don't let those things choke you out. James 1.12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's such a great passage in Hebrew. All these examples of people who persevered in the midst of so many things, we are called to persevere as well. And if we want to persevere, here's what we need to do. We need to seek his strength. Seek his strength. We have in our court, we have the Holy Spirit in us, but not only do we have, we have a father who is king of king, lord of lords. There is no one else like him. And so why don't we seek his strength? Why don't we go to him in our times of trouble, in our times of difficulty? We have the greatest father that we could ever ask for. But we need to seek his strength. First Chronicles sixteen eleven. look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. And so, to produce the kind of soil that we need to produce good fruit, we need a pure heart, we need to hold on to the Word of God, and we need to persevere. Because here's the benefit of this. When we have this kind of soil, we have this kind of soil in us that produces good fruit, guess what? We go out and we share with people. We sow seed. We sow seed. We tell people about Jesus. And guess what? Some people may not believe. But guess what? Some people may Some people may, and it may be just one person you reach. Guess what? We're not all going to produce the same amount of fruit. We're not. You may produce more fruit than me. You know, I may produce more fruit than some, but guess what? It doesn't matter how much fruit we're all producing. It's not about producing the same. It's about producing fruits. It's about making sure people hear the gospel and people turn and they believe in Jesus. And because of that, they go and they tell people about Jesus. And because of that, they go and they tell people about Jesus. That is why we should want this soil that produces good fruit. And so which soil are you? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they come up, here's the benefit again that I mentioned earlier. We have a more complete picture We have things that even at this time, the disciples didn't fully understand yet. We see what would happen eventually, and we would learn the things that they would eventually learn. But here's the thing that we know for sure reading the Gospels. We have a Savior who comes, and He lives, and He dies on the cross, and His blood is shed for us. And he goes to the grave, but guess what? He doesn't stay in the grave. He raises from the grave. And because of this, we have forgiveness of our sins. And so what kind of soil are you? Maybe you're here this morning and your life has been like the soil that you just have been struggling to to believe. And maybe this morning what you need to do is you need to go to the gospel and you just need to see what Jesus has done for you. What Jesus has done for each and every one of us. It's it's amazing what he has done. He loves us that much that God loves us that much that he would send his son for us. 
maybe the struggles of life have been getting to you and maybe lately you've been thinking, man, this is just not what I signed up for. Life is more difficult than I was expecting and maybe if that's the case this morning, you need to turn to God and you just need to lay that out before Him. Seek His strength. Maybe this morning the daily stresses of life have been getting to you and every single day you're starting to feel further and further and further away from the truth. Every single day with all of the things that are happening around you, you're starting to feel like I can't even remember the last time I spent a moment with God. I can't remember the last time I prayed. I can't remember the last time I was in His Word. I can't remember. It's been so long that I have felt His presence in my life. Maybe this morning, lay that at his feet. Seek his strength. Man, our desire should be to produce good soil. And if we're producing good soil, are you telling people about Jesus? As we leave here this morning, do you tell people about Jesus? Do you tell your, your friends, your coworker, your family about Jesus? Do you tell them about what he has done for us? And we have so many different places that we could sow that seed to tell people about what he's done for us. So are we doing that? What kind of seed are you? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him and you, you need to do that. Man, think about what he's done for you, what he's done for us. Give your life to him. And maybe you're here this morning and you just need to spend time in prayer, seeking him out, laying this stuff at his feet. If that's the case, you can come up here and pray. I'd love to pray with you. Pray where you're sitting, but lay that out at the feet of God. And again, I encourage you this morning as we go from here, tell people about Jesus. Be the kind of soil that produces good fruit. If you have a decision to make this morning, I pray that you do so as we stand and we sing.